Kat. And I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Kat and Kurt's TV Review. Welcome to episode 66, Beware What May Enter There. This week, we're discussing series 5, episode 4 of Doctor Who, The Time of Angels, and season 1, episode 4 of Angel, I Fall to Pieces. As always, we suggest you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. Holy crap. The Weeping Angels <laughs> and River Song. Together. I, I, I was honestly together, not expecting Together that. even better. <laughs> um, I, you know, I mean, obviously the time, you know, I really, I should, you keep bringing up that like the titles give stuff away. <laughs> And I never think to look at what the title is before I start watching one of these episodes. That's funny. Um, and even, and even like, I don't know, for some reason, I just don't notice it like in the title. Well, scene. I was going like, to say, like, know, even if you don't look it up ahead of time, it kind of announces it as large as life on the screen at the beginning of the episode. I don't know. I like, I feel like half the time, because I watch these like right after we record our podcast. So oh, like half you're the like time, half I'm like, <laughs> I, well, not have a sleep necessarily, but like I don't fall asleep that early. In the episode. <laughs> I do almost always fall asleep while I'm watching the first episode because I, I don't know. Because you started at like eleven thirty. <laughs> yeah, um, but like usually, like I'll start watching it and then I'll be like brushing my teeth like during mm. the title episode or something. So like right. I don't, I just don't see it like because I'm brushing my teeth and trying to get done right, before right, right. I, you know, before the rest of it comes on. So like. Yeah. I'm not, I'm just not paying for whatever reason, or like I might be getting my bag ready for the next day or something. So like, you know, I'll do that. Like while the titles are going like real quick, throw my whatever, you know, in my bag. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, I always feel like I'm not, I'm just not paying attention. I don't think about it until excuses. like I'm into the episode. (laughs) So let's talk about it. Um, The weeping angels. I want to talk about the weeping angels first. Cause like, and it was a tough call whether to talk about them or River Song first because I want to talk about them both. Yeah. But we'll go with the Weeping Angels because then we can go into like the characters and stuff. Sure. Um, so I mean, obviously, we sort of already know stuff, and there, there, I love like you do get that hint, like from the uh, from the end of that episode, Blank. You get you know all of like the the montage right of all the different statues and stuff yeah so there is the sense that they end up kind of coming up with that here like when you go into the room and you see all these statues that are you know all together now and that's kind of creepy like thinking about yeah like the the overwhelmingness of them i guess like rather than just a couple that are like in a secluded dingy house yeah blink kind of ends with the sense of they're everywhere so this right. episode is sort of about what if they were everywhere. <laughs> right, right. Um so so you get that uh that sort of and it's not like an explicit callback or anything, but it's just yeah, more that feeling of of there is yeah. you know, really this over ubiquitous threat out there. Mm. Um but I wanted to sort of talk about cuz we get a little bit more of the mythology, right? So they, they find the sort of the quintessential ancient tome that yeah. tells them, yeah. you know, what what everything is about the Weeping Angels. Ancient in the future, of course. Sure. Um, but the, uh, so, you know, there's the couple things, right? There's the, um, now we get, it's not just that angels 
you know, can sort of move around and, and they become statues when you're looking at mm-hmm. them. But now even looking at them right. the wrong way becomes dangerous. So it's not even like you can't blink, but you can't, you can't look into the whites of their eyes or sure. you know, whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. I like how Moffat doesn't just um, replicate the idea, but sort of builds on it and builds on the mm-hmm. danger. So there's kind of, two new well there's three new threats really if i think about it one is that rather than simply displace people in time they kind of drop that and just start killing people so they're more physically dangerous this time than they were before um yeah but the the two kind of i guess extra abilities which he gives them um which i think we can kind of talk about individually is definitely yeah, so before it was, well, the angels are terrifying, but as long as you can see them, you're okay. Whereas, like you said, this time, seeing them is potentially as dangerous as not being able to see them. So you're in this sort of right. catch-22 where either way, you're kind of screwed. Um, and then... and Sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, and you get that sense of... You know, like Amy is saying, like, have you have you ever realized how hard it not is to not blink, to blink yeah. when someone tells you you can't yeah. blink? So, like, it, and it, there is very much that, you know, power of suggestion at you. When you say, don't look them in the eyes, of course, you're, you're going to look, look right, right at their, at their eyes. eyes. Like, yeah. yeah, and you get and a nice she even big, says, I can't help it. And you get a it. nice you know, big like, close-up of the angel's eyes. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, right, which from an audience perspective, like, you're kind of forced to look in their yeah. eyes, which makes you uncomfortable. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And also, I think, related to the audience relationship to the angels, too, um, is, uh, you know, now, not only are they terrifying in the narrative, but they add this idea that the image of an angel is an angel, and it actually comes Mm. out of the TV. So So you're playing with the suggestion that its image is its power, and therefore it could have an effect... You know, the image of the angels on screen could have an effect on the viewer and might even kind of like the ring. You know, it could kind of climb out of the TV and come get you. So, you know, all of these, I think that's a really cool thing that Moffat does is he doesn't just sort of rest on his laurels of, oh, Blink was really successful. We'll do that again. But he builds to the mythology and sort of adds new uh, levels of danger to it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, And actually Um, one note I did have from him was that he kind of in thinking about how do you sequels are never as good as originals. So how do you do, you know, how do you live up to blink, which he knew was extremely popular. And um, he said that, you know, to him, one of the most successful sequels of all time was Aliens. Um, and he kind of saw this as an Aliens-type sequel, where whereas the first one was more of a mood piece, um, mm. whereas this was more action-oriented um, and okay. kind of took the threat to a slightly different, more sort of maybe visceral level. So that was sort of his yeah. inspiration for how to not just do the angels again, but how to make them scarier in a different way than they were the first time Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's interesting i can't understand that comparison because i still have not seen alien art or the sequels 
Well, anyway, this, the moving first on. sequel is very good, <laughs> and Alien yeah. itself is fantastic. But anyway, um, just the idea and, of a sequel can't just replicate the first thing; it has to put a twist right. on it if it's going to live well, up to expectation. And that idea, you know, happens in, in other stuff too, not just like in sequels of yeah. stories, whether you know, visual or books or whatever. Sure. But also, even even with like music and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, like the the you know, debut of a really great band, you know, might have a great album or whatever, but then that second album, there's always that, you know, that sort of... That sophomore slump. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Do you do you try to repeat the sound that you had, right. you know, in the first album, or do you do something completely different? And it's like, kind of either way you're screwed, right, right. and you have to kind of figure out how to have a similar sound, but still be distinct enough... Yes you know, to keep your following and that kind of thing. So there's, there's like, I feel like that, that sort of thing happens in, you know, a lot of different ways yeah. and, and not even in the art world. I feel that's probably like even in the business world too, right? You can't sure. just, you know, you have to continue whatever service or product you create. You're always looking to do the next one, especially like you get like these big companies like Procter and Gamble or something, yeah. you know, where they have, you know, hundreds of brands, you know, that they, manage and you're always seeing like these variations and many of them are like around for a few months and then disappear because nobody likes them mm-hmm. or kind of yeah. thing. so um anyway that's all to say i agree that was a long way of saying <laughs> i agree um <laughs> yeah so the angels so yeah the three threats i actually want yeah i wanted to talk about the this more sort of killing thing because there were two things about that one, which you already sort of noted that it is a more overt, right? It's not sending you back in time, but I wasn't entirely clear if that was always the case or if that was just the case this time, because they needed like a larynx to talk to the doctor with, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like if, if it was like a special case for them, to do that. Yeah, with, I mean... Uh, what's his name? With uh, right, Angel Angelo Bob. or Angel, <laughs> Angel Bob. Bob. Um, I mean... Right, yeah, Angelo's the first ever... one who calls Bob. So I guess they do it to both of them. Right, right, right. Because you get all the soldiers calling each other in succession. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, I guess I read it as that a few things. I suppose the angels have always had the physical ability to snap your neck. It's just that... They would prefer to send you back and feed off your time energy. But the sense I get from what the doctor says about um, how they've been starving down here for so long and losing their image is that they're sort of not at their strongest as a, you know, um, that maybe they don't quite have the energy yet to send you back in time. That, you know, that, that that's something that they need maybe a certain amount of power for or something. Mm-hmm. But the the doctor does well, sort and, of speculate about um, they wouldn't just kill you unless they needed bodies for something. And it does seem like right. they do have a use for the bodies. Like you said, they use them to, you know, lure each, the others in and then to communicate with the doctor. So right. it seems like maybe it's kind of a combination of the two. Like one just being like the quick expediency of killing the people, but mm-hmm. also... They actually do find a use for, you know. So it's not, 
abandoning the concept that they can send people back in time and feed off that energy. It's just like this is another way in which they're They're terrible and scary. Yeah, I think it's just a way of making the threat different. So they still have, there's still the kind of familiar thing that you recognize of being able to move when you're not looking, but maybe finding a way that the threat isn't exactly the same as last time. Now they're just going to come and kill you. And that makes sense. That's kind of how I took it, I think. And I think that's what makes it it feel like more of an action piece rather than a mood piece, you know, because Mm. even though we kind of talked about how the sending back in time was a fairly, while still bad, was a fairly kind of gentle and melancholy way to go. Like, it's more of... Mm -hmm. It doesn't have the kind of horror that them just sneaking up behind it's, you and snapping your especially, neck Especially, right, especially because the people they send back, other than the Doctor and Martha, who, you know, get to the TARDIS again yeah. or whatever, um, the people they send back end up having long, long healthy lives. lives. Yeah. yeah, like it's not, like they end up not being that disappointed that they got sent back. Right. And maybe maybe even had better lives than they would have had they stayed. Right. You know what I mean? Like happier or whatever, more fulfilling. So yeah. Yeah. Like this sense uh, is, it does feel different, especially because then you get uh, Angel Bob saying, you know, at the end there, like, I just want to, you know, tell you that I was scared, yeah. you know, and like, like I died in fear and all this stuff, which I mean, is obviously the angels taunting and there's a sort of, like I, even though like there might be a theoretical, uh, questionable belief mm-hmm. there, you know, it, it, is he actually lying about that because it's really the angel talking? Right. So maybe he's just trying to get out of the doctor's skin. But there, there is actually kind of a believability about that because we do kind of see Bob not wanting immediately to go right. to An- uh, Angelo. Right. So. Like, there is a sense in which maybe he was... And we already know that he, you know, the doctor calls him, oh, you should be scared, scared Bob, Bob, not yeah. sacred Bob, you know. Uh, so so there is that sense in which he maybe really was scared, and there is a believability about that. So, yeah, I think that's um, kind of what's disturbing about that, is you're not quite sure how much of that is Bob, and how um, much of that is just the angel trying to push the doctor's buttons. And And then the other thing that that whole situation with Angel Bob sort of reminded me of is uh, the data ghost. Yeah. In Silence in the Library. Mm -hmm. And, um, or, yeah, which which one was it in? Was it? In, yeah, well, both of them. Silence in the Library and Forest of the Dead. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, well, I was thinking of Eva. No. Oh, yeah, she was in Silence in the Library. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Was, did I get her name right? Miss Evangelista. Evangelista. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh, man. I'm so bad with, like, remembering those details. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, like, it, it reminded me of that, too, mm-hmm. because she, like, in, in, in with the data ghost, she was talking about sort of the things that she feared. And, right. and I just, oh, again, that whole scene of her crying out to Donna to not tell everyone who is standing there listening to what she doesn't want them to know about how she felt the others treated her. You know what I mean? So like just very, very sad sort of thing there, but I I got a similar sense here. Not, 
not as much pulling on the heartstrings for me as that was, but like, yeah, definitely you're getting that sense of for the doctor, it's, it's that thing of, you know, I told him I would save him and I did. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, you know, another one, it, it's another one where I failed. I lied. Yeah. Uh, and, and wasn't able to fulfill what I was doing. So I don't know. It just, I mean, and I think like I, again, I'm not sure that that's an explicit callback. It could be. No, like, but it has a, but, a but definite it has a very similar. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah I think it def- is. I think you're right. It's not quite, doesn't have quite as much pathos to it because I think mm-hmm. it's, I don't want to say we're invited to laugh at Bob, but there's a couple notes of comedy in there of the fact that he's mm-hmm. Angel Bob and um yeah, and yeah. and his yeah. and his kind of the kind of matter of fact way he talks about it like oh right, right. I, I didn't escape the angel killed me too sorry about the confusion you know like he's very polite mm-hmm. um which kind of <laughs> makes sense cuz it's sort of like it's not quite the angel talking it's sort of the disembodied consciousness of Bob as being prompted by the angel to talk. So it doesn't right. quite have that same sense of yeah, like, like a medium almost. of, of like you being he's... of like you yeah. overhearing Miss Evangelista's sort of dying Inner thoughts. thoughts. But yeah. I don't, I'm not saying that to say that it's funny necessarily. Like, I think it's definitely, especially that moment when he does sort of accuse the doctor of letting him down. Um, you know, that, uh, mm-hmm. that is supposed to be very wrenching. And especially, I mean, I think of Amy kind of saying in the first episode, what a disappointment you've been, you know, like that, yeah. did this sense that the doctor, you know, sometimes does let people down. Um, but yeah, we can talk, we can bring this back up when we get to the doctor for sure, but it kind of seems to have, it does get him angry. You know, River kind of says that's the point, is to get him angry. But it seems like the cliffhanger leaves us in a place where maybe that might backfire on the angels a little bit. You know, that right, getting right. him like, angry actually gets him into figuring a way out where mm-hmm. previously he hadn't figured it out. So Yeah, yeah. Right, no, like they're they're trying to get him angry. To make thinking him another that maybe mistake. he'll make a yeah yeah make a mistake or or yeah do something rash or whatever yeah um yeah but I think you're right that seems to be the impression we're left with yeah although the the impression we're left with isn't always the one that we're meant to have it's true um but yeah so yeah so Bob saying you know you told me my fear would keep me alive but I died afraid in pain and alone and of course that reminds me of Firefly as well everybody dies in the yeah. but um. You made me trust you, and when it mattered, you let me do it. Mm. Uh, and, and, yeah, there's a certain repetition to all of this. Yes, definitely. Uh, with the doctor, so I think I think you're right. We're meant to be thinking in that direction. Um, Here's a... And, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, like, so the, the other things with the Weeping Angel, so, you know, okay, we kind of talked about the you know them killing and then um they're not looking in the eye so then you get the whole stuff with amy of mm. feeling like there's something in her eye yeah and 
and the doctor's <laughs> statement that it's not, you know, the eyes aren't the windows to the soul, they're the doors. And I, I'd like, and thinking about that, I was like, oh, that's, that's interesting because that makes you think about like the conversation from Girl in the Fireplace of mm. doors opening both sure. ways. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of thing too. So yeah, just the sense that, that there's, there's certain connections like I guess psychically mm. people can make those kind of, I don't maybe psychic because that kind of has a weird connotation, but you know what I mean? Like there's, there's a certain psychological or whatever, like uh connection that seems to get made there between Amy and the angels. Yeah. Uh, which affects her because, you know, Oh man, that's so like, I think the creepiest part of this episode is when she rubs her eye with the and the sand hand, comes out and the yeah. sand comes pouring oh, out yeah. and she pulls it away and there's nothing there. And I like, I actually like reached up to my own eye. I was like, ah, stop. <laughs> like, don't do that. Um, and, and yeah, yeah. You're just, so. Yeah. Cause you've like, had that. Well, to... and again, Moffat trading on your everyday experience. You've had that mm. where you just can't get that thing out of your yeah, eye. Yeah, there's something in your And just the notion you that... what it is. Oh, yeah. All that this, it could come pouring out. stuff like might come pouring out. Um, yeah. And then later, you know, with her hand sort of petrified on the rail, yeah. but then it turns out to be a psychosomatic thing. Yeah. And the doctor... <laughs> yeah. The doctor sort of cures her of that, I guess. Yes, yeah, she does. <laughs> or at least for the moment, anyway. Right. I don't know if there's if that will continue, but, um, but yeah, like there. So again, like it just sort of piles on to the to the threats that the angels give you, right? So again, we we move from, you know, if you don't look at them and they touch you, they'll send you back in time to, well they could also kill you. Mm -hmm. But also if you do happen to stop them there, they're not completely defenseless right. at that point. They, <laughs> right. They're still, and that, that goes back to what the doctor even says that just cause you're uh, patient doesn't mean you're dormant. Right. And, and you get that sense of they're still extremely deadly just yeah. standing there looking at them. Yeah. And, and if looking into their eye can affect you in certain ways, are there other things that you just don't know about yet right. that can affect them? So very, right. very intriguing. Yeah. I don't know. Um, the other thing which I want to add to that, and this is a completely un, uh, unconfirmed fan theory, but it's one to which I'm partial, that uh, after... <laughs> Um, you have to kind of, I, I like the idea now that we know that the image of an angel is an angel. Um, how does the doctor know about the angels and what to do in Blink? Sally Sparrow gives him pictures of the angels. And so you have to wonder, is that where they came from? You know, like as part of that eternal loop of Blink, you know, where there's kind of no beginning. I don't know. I like thinking that maybe there's a connection between the images of the angels and the angels themselves. I yeah, I did not think of that. Well, and that's and interesting. I didn't either, but I have seen that, and uh, I kind of like that idea. <laughs> hmm. Anyway, that's never yeah. Gonna so be, like, I doubt that'll so that... ever become official anything, but. 
So the idea being that just the angels in that sort of setting are caused by her, but also yeah, the idea she that, takes pictures of them, so it's a paradox. Right, just like the par- the relationship is a paradox that the doctor only knows what to do because Sally told him, but she only knows what to mm-hmm. do because the doctor told her. So there's no real beginning. Um, maybe you know the doctor only got sent back in time because of the angels, but. We know that the images of angels are dangerous, so maybe the images which Sally handed him, maybe they climbed out of the picture the same way that they climbed out of the TV here and sent him back in time and kick off the whole thing. It's just a fun little idea. Yeah, no, that's interesting. I I didn't think of, I mean, obviously at the time I didn't know this other stuff, but sort of retconning that. Yeah, and I don't even know, I don't even know whether Moffat thought of that even when he thought of this whole images thing either um but Mm. it just sort of i like uh how just that kind of evocative idea of images like symbols correlating to reality and and images being equal to the thing that they represent you know it kind of sets your mind off about where did the angels come from in the first place you know and that whole yeah that whole, you mentioned like the the tome it does it's a very lovecraftian kind of thing of like the, yeah, the book yeah. written by the madman the definitive work on yeah. the angels but river song the the bit that she reads out about um you know what if our ideas no longer what is it what if we had ideas that could think for themselves what if our dreams no longer needed us you know and it mm. kind of sets your mind going about where did these angels come from in the first place and what kind of sure you know, and we see that they have power over the eye and the, and the imagination and everything. That they can trick Amy's mind into thinking something, you know, or whatever. So, um, it just kind of, I think, implies rather than states all these things about what, like, on a more, I guess, like, metaphysical level, the angels might be. Mm. Sure. But Sure. Um, yeah, I, there was something else I was going to add to all of that, but I can't remember what it was now. So, um, that's fine. Uh, maybe we should move on to talk about River. We should talk about River, yeah. Because, uh... Yeah, because this is also a crap, it's River. to Silence in the Library. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, right, and, and Forest of the Dead. So, uh, yeah, but again, like, clearly well into her timeline with the doctor yes um and seeming even more comfortable like she knows who the doctor is and you know we get more hints and not so hints <laughs> like actual statements it seems like at times although they're not quite actual statements like with amy outright asking her are you his wife mm, yeah <laughs> you know that kind of thing but like just yeah just their interaction like more uh yeah, confirmation that there's clearly some sort of deep, intimate relationship that they have um, mm-hmm. together. But uh, also learning things like, uh, one, she's stealing something from, like, no, she, well, they're not, she's not in the, she's on the ship. And what is she, what, uh, like, what is it that she has in 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 the Byzantium 
So Shit. she was sent in by Father Octavian to investigate the vault. Where it's, right, right, okay, right. Which is where she didn't actually take anything. No, she just went to see what was there. No, that's where the weeping angel is. So their okay, their right, mission right, right. is. I knew to, there was. Yeah. I knew there was something about like breaking in, but then I'm like, yeah. wait a minute, what did she take? She didn't take anything. Right. So I no, was like, I was trying to remember. She's checking out why she was there. She's checking okay. out the weeping angel. So she's not like a thief per se, but you still get this notion of her as something of a rule breaker, you know, who kind of knows how to right. Who, how to break into a vault and how to, you know, escape from a spaceship in the middle of space. And, uh, you know, which, she seems fairly, fairly also, capable as, you know, kind of an adventurous, right. I guess. Which also then sort of makes more sense when you think about her being the one to lead the expedition into the silence of the library. Sure. Like it's yeah. like because she has experience with breaking into these yeah. sorts of places. Right. And, and she's not just um not that not that I think we had any doubt about her intelligence or anything, but I think we get more of it in, in that you could have just seen her as there as like the the archaeologist of the team, you know, whereas mm-hmm. a, a strong leader, but maybe there as more of an academic. Whereas here, I think you get more of a sense of um, her being more. I I don't I don't know what the word is, but I guess kind of being more adventurous is the only thing I can think of. That not just leading and and you know an expedition to you know recover lost you know bodies or information, but actually like you know, being the one to break into something and to escape and then to lead, like, a highly dangerous mission, you know, where, mm-hmm. you, like, you get more sense of physical adventuring than just yeah. intellectual curiosity, well, so. And there's there's a bit more of the Lady Christina D'Souza, there you know, is. in her yeah. as well. <laughs> um, I'm, and, uh, well, and you sort of kind of looked up when you said that, like, is that intentional? Like, was oh, there a... Uh, I don't think or so, but I think know. that's a fair comparison, yeah. Um, yeah, just, I mean, because, you know, she, I mean, she's, you know, she's got the nice clothes on yeah. and she's, you know, has the ready escape route. And I'll be, I mean, yeah. she, and, and once again, she's summoned the doctor to come, mm-hmm. you know, help her out and, and, uh, you know, so... Yeah, you get more knows of exactly the... what to tell him, you know, to get the TARDIS in the right position right. to save her and that kind well, of stuff. Well, and so that's like... the thing is like it's 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 similar to what we've seen before, but like the Weeping Angels, you just get more information. So mm-hmm. you know, you you get more of the femme fatale this time with mm-hmm. like the red heels and the flowy dress and you know, very sort of like decked out, like to kind of sneak her way into the rich you know, Starline mm-hmm. Cruiser or whatever. Um, and that little, right. like, gun slash flame thing that she has. Um, yeah. And, yeah, like, she still calls the doctor in for help, like she did in Silence of the Library. But there she just sort of sent him a message saying, you know, come to the library. Here, you know, you kind of have to admire the guts it takes to leave him a message for thousands of years in the future 
and trust that when she opens that airlock <laughs> and flies yeah. out into space well, that he's going to be there to catch her. So, And there's a certain amount, because like, just in this season so far, we've seen how inaccurate the Doctor can be <laughs> right. when he, you know, I'll be gone yeah. five minutes, yeah. 12 years yeah, later. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, or even just the, you know, oh, I called you a month ago, Doctor. Right. <laughs> you know, like... Yeah, he's not exactly the most precise guy, but yeah, I mean, I think that that points to the sort of special. Re- like she, she seems like I don't, I don't believe that. Like it's it's uh, the doctor's fault that he's on time. <laughs> I believe that it's River's fault. Like yeah. she's the one who knows how to tell him what she needs to tell him in order to get him in the place that she needs to right. be, and that. Like, the way I'm saying that makes it sound manipulative. And I guess in a way it is. But it's also it's also just, like, when you have a partner that you've been with for a long time and you know their quirks and you know that, like, you have to set the clocks 10 minutes early so that they'll be ready on time, right. you know, to leave for your dinner party or whatever. Right. Like, like, that's just the sort of thing that, people who are together for a long time do. So like she knows where to leave the clues for him. She knows how to give him the information of the coordinates of where to be. And like, she probably knew exactly the amount of leeway she needed to add into there to make sure that he was there on time and in the right spot, (laughs) you know? So, um, yeah. And given, given the dexterity with which she flies the TARDIS and, and knows the buttons, which is kind of, interesting even given the fact that it's a new TARDIS but then again she's seen it in the future so maybe it is the TARDIS that she knows and has flown before right even though it's new to us right 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 Uh, she might know it better than the doctor does which it seems like right she does like he says like they don't do anything they're just blue she's like yeah they're the stabilizers (laughs) um and then that's why you're always bouncing around everywhere well my favorite is the fact that the the wheezing noise is the brakes that <laughs> yeah especially because they've had that since the first episode in 1963 and they will have it as long as it goes um i just love the idea that every time you hear that noise it's because the doctor is riding the brakes <laughs> yeah yeah but he but he like, keeps but, but i like he the keeps noise. doing it anyway because he loves it you know it's the same yeah. reason it's you know, always a police box. Like, yeah, he could fix it, but he just likes it. (laughs) So, but yeah, you get that sense of she knows at least this TARDIS, if not the TARDIS, you know, as well as him, if not better, you know, that she's sort of very, she's, she flies it much more smoothly and probably accurately than he does. Right. Right. So, um, but yeah, that all sort of, again, you know, just points to this deeper relationship that they mm-hmm. have and which I mean we knew about, but I think like you said, it's it's more. It's it's it adds to yeah. the stuff we already know and sort of confirms or at least gives more evidence for our suspicions about who she mm-hmm. is and what she is to him. Mm-hmm. Um and then you get like the small things like the falling on the floor together yeah. in a very, you know, intimate yeah. position. Yeah. And uh you know, well, of course, the sweetie, the right, you know, the calling of the pet name, right? Uh, well, and I like that and, moment too when she says, you know, sweetie, I need you, and he kind of goes, sweetie, and turns around and runs because 
to yeah. me, that's, uh, you know, I'd be surprised if that wasn't a direct callback. It totally reminds me of um, the pretty boy moment in Silence of the Library where she's saying, you know, pretty boy, come on, I need you. And he has no clue. Yeah, yeah. And Donna has to tell him, you know, all right, numbskull, she means you, you know. And so mm -hmm. whereas this time he's not totally, you know, it's it's there's still a little bit of the doctor's suspicion of her and resistance. They're not sort of totally intimate yet, but this time you get him, oh, sweetie, that she means me. Like, you know, you get him responding and starting to learn, you know, who she is and how she talks and, you know, mm -hmm. it's just a kind of a little marker to show that progress, I think. Yeah, yeah. No, that does, that makes sense. And I hadn't actually even thought about the the pretty boy connection, but I think you're right. Like it, it does seem like there's probably a callback there. Like it's, yeah, cool. Um, so we also get the revelation that she doesn't want to go back to prison. Right. It's going to so say clearly, another slight uh, similarity to Lady Christina <laughs> as well. Yeah. Well, right. That clearly she was in prison at some right. point, though for what we don't know. Although we seem to have some good ideas like yeah if we're going down the route of she knows how to break into places and seems pretty competent you know with a gun mm -hmm. and with you know sort of dangerous high adrenaline uh right you know situations or whatever so um yeah it's it's an interesting revelation i have to admit that was not one i was good. expecting of course so it it took me a little by surprise um yep yep well, I'm not, it took me by surprise. I won't even say a little, but uh, <laughs> it just did. So, um, I mean, and of course it's tantalizing and, yeah. and you know, the, the interesting to the conversation between then her and Octavian, because Octavian seems to know more about the doctor than we are sort of first led to believe as well. So, mm -hmm. uh, there is, I guess, sort of a moment of recognition when, when River says, you know, this is the doctor. He does sort of have that like, Oh, okay. But then like later he says, Oh, he doesn't know about you yet. So clearly he seems to know a little more too about yeah. like the whole timeline and relationship that River Song and the doctor have. So, right. um, we, I don't know how much he knows. I would doubt he knows everything because, you know, that just wouldn't make sense. But, yeah. um, you know, certainly he seems to have a pretty good idea of who they are to each other and, and, uh, yeah, is using that, that um, to manipulate River Song into helping them in a way too. Right. Like there's some leverage going on there. It seems right, definitely. And uh, and the idea too that if he works it out, he's not going to help us. So whatever it is, it's something. You know, like I don't think the doctors. You know, I'm not saying the doctor. You know, doesn't have any sense of, you know, the law or right and wrong or whatever, but you know, that whatever it is, it's something that Octavian thinks the doctor would disapprove and to the extent of yeah. not working with them anymore, you know? Right. Yeah. So it's not just like, oh, you know, you know, cause I mean, we speculated about whether the doctor rejected Christina because of her sort of 
lawlessness. But I think it's like we saw that, you know, she was a jewel thief and he seemed willing to work alongside her, at least for the time being, mm -hmm. to get them out of the situation. And he even let her go. He even let her go. And he even admitted that he stole the TARDIS as well. So he's yeah. not oh, necessarily. Yeah, right. yeah. So I think that's kind of interesting too. It's not just she's, you know, an outlaw, but whatever it is, you know, is potentially offensive to the doctor more so than mm -hmm. just like your average, you know, heist, I guess, or something, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Which, I mean, you can take either well, you could take it in a number of ways, probably. Like, I mean, either Octavian's just wrong and doesn't know the Doctor that well, so doesn't really know what would be offensive to him. Yeah. Uh, or he does absolutely know, and yeah, there's there's something there. But, I mean, again, like, it would be hard. Because, at this point, the implication of the yet in that sentence mm. is, is sort of interesting to me, because... It, it does seem to imply that the doctor at some point does learn whatever the secret is. Right. And both Octavian and River Song know that. That seems to be the implication there. So I don't know what that means. Right. Like <laughs> at some point the doctor knows that, but even so, but I mean, we see River die. So clearly it happens before that point and there's still mm -hmm. some affection there. So like, Right. And there's no indication. So, you know, again, I mean, I don't, maybe there's just problems because the one episode was written before the other. So I don't, maybe they didn't clearly think all of that through, but it just, from, sure. from what we know of River Song at this point, like, yes, the doctor does find out at some point what her secret is, mm -hmm. but they seem to get through it. So maybe she just doesn't know how they get through it yet or right. if, and what the situation is, but Right. It well, seems I think the like... other thing, too, to remember um, is uh, sort of what um, this doesn't confirm or deny what you were just saying. It just sort of adds another layer of complexity to it is uh, the reminder from the doctor, too, that time is sort of in flux and can be rewritten, too. You know, mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. you know, Amy sure, says, sure. you can't stay with me. You know, you can't die here. You've got to have all that stuff with River. And he says, it doesn't work like that. Time can be rewritten. So potentially, you know, he could die here and never have that stuff with River. And mm -hmm. all of the timeline would be sort of different than it had been before. So there's that extra layer, too, of um, the timeline being kind of a... a wibbly wobbly sort of thing you know mm -hmm. yeah yeah so yeah. so even if river does have a sense of what the future might be she doesn't necessarily know that it's fixed into any particular you know it's a delicate thing that could be right. that could be damaged which, if not handled properly um and it, which in addition to those reminders from the doctor we we get with her repetition of spoilers yeah. you know <laughs> yeah. there's there's that Again, that reminder that she has her book and she's writing it linearly as right. she experiences it, but we're not experience it, experiencing those things in the same linear fashion that she right. is. So right, right, because we get, um, yeah, and that kind of changes the dynamic a bit because 
now, you know, she says, oh, I'm going to be a professor someday. How exciting, you know, mm -hmm. so she doesn't mm -hmm. know that yet. So, well, now... right. And there's there's a question of does that is that what gives her the idea to actually become sure? Yeah, yeah you get so into like, like predestination paradoxes and stuff. But also, yeah, yeah. but also now it slightly changes the dynamic because before we had the doctor clueless in River with all this information. But now the doctor knows some things that River doesn't. So they're more on equal footing this time because she has, you know, right. we don't know how much history that the doctor's right. not privy to. But the doctor knows certain things about her and where she's going yeah. and what's going to happen to her certain that she doesn't and know. And extremely important things. Yeah. Like, not just like, oh, you know, someday we're going to go on a picnic in the right, park. Right. Like, like, like uh, yeah, I know when you're going to die I and know what when happens and how. in that. Yeah, exactly. That I can't save you. And in fact, that you handcuffed me to a thing so that I don't try to save you. Right, anyway, right. Not only, I, not only could I not save you, but I'm kind of not allowed. Like, you made sure that I didn't so mm -hmm. yeah um um interesting too that his initial instinct is to run away yeah from her. <laughs> yeah uh that it and i'm not i mean i sort of get why but like on the other hand i kind of don't because like why you know wouldn't you want to if if you already have the implication and i mean again we have to remember that she knows his name. Maybe not at this point, but at mm -hmm. some point she knows his name. And it seems like she knows him well enough at this point that she probably does now mm -hmm. as well. Like, so, so there's that question of like how much at some point he's going to have to get to know her pretty intimately. Right. So why would he want to run away now? And is it just that sort of, because it is still kind of new and, yeah. you know, maybe a little fresh because it was, I mean, it feels like a long time ago because we had all those stinking specials <laughs> in the middle, but no, like, like really, I mean, again, we've talked about how, you know, so many of these episodes were kind of like, especially in the beginning of this season and even like the episodes seem to go sort of one to another to another, like. Yeah. You don't get a sense of how much time might have been between. Now, some of them might have had significant amounts of time between them. We just don't know about right. it. But if you sort of go in that linear fashion, like in the specials and even like the end of, of C series four. Yeah. You know, those just like also sort of ran into each other. So yeah. you're really maybe not talking about subjectively that long of a time sure. for the doctor from when he saw her die. So there, there could be some instance of that as well. Yeah, like, and just and I'm just, not ready to handle like this. And just knowing, the strangeness of even if no matter yeah. how long it's been, how often do you see someone that you care about die and then get to meet with them again? So mm -hmm. the just the bizarreness of I actually have to interact with her now that I know right where right. her story ends, you know, and right. and I think his him being maybe maybe fond of fond enough of her to care about that but not so fond that it's like fun to see her like he still doesn't know her that well you know she's still right. kind of intimidating but it's also <laughs> painful because he yeah. kind of has had this experience and does know where she ends up going so i think mm -hmm. like that's kind of the tension you know that's what I would put sure. it down to. It's sort of like 
you know, both the kind of pain of having to be around her and not say anything, but also the fact that she's still sort of the one who knows everything and still the one who's kind of in control and, you know, um, mm-hmm. she has a lot more authority in the relationship than he does, I think, just because of the amount of stuff that she knows, you know. Right, right. And she acts yep. with this intimacy that he doesn't really feel yet, I think. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, yeah, so anyway, I I mean, of course, again, you just sort of have to like River. Sure, like she's, yeah. she's clearly a very uh, likable person. Um, I like that there's a little mystery now, like more mystery now to, you know, the, her background. Yeah. She, with the the criminal aspect or whatever. Um, yeah, and I like too that Amy gets to be like the voice of the audience at home who just comes out and says, "Is she your wife?" Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like yeah. she's playing the same game that we're playing. And you know, I love that bit about like, "Oh, Amy, is it really that simple?" And Amy's like, "Yeah. <laughs> it's that simple." <laughs> yeah, it's that you know? simple. And so there's that I'm not saying you're right, but you're very good. Yeah, so there's that like giving the voice to the fan at home who's saying the same sorts of things and having that same debate, you know? Right. Right. And she even says, you're so his wife. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, like not, it's not even really a question. It's just, you are like, I got this. Don't worry about it. That is it. Don't. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, definitely. Well, and I just, I like, I like that you don't, because we've gotten hints of Amy sort of having feelings toward the doctor or whatever, mm-hmm. but I like that they didn't go, like, down the jealousy route, yeah. really, you know, in this. Like, it yeah. it becomes a mutual admiration between Amy and River Song. Yeah. Like, they both, yeah, definitely, and, and, you know, you get that mocking of, you know, oh, yeah, he uses museums to... Yeah, it's very... It's it's very reminiscent of Rose and Sarah Jane without the kind of, which I think was appropriate for Rose, you know, with with that kind of initial, you know, jealousy between them. I think that was appropriate for that story. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think you're right. Like, it doesn't, it didn't really need to go there with these two. Um, And Mm -hmm. it still kind of keeps that, like you know, them enjoying making fun of the doctor aspect, um, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, kind of ganging up on him. That's always fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. Right. And, and, and so, yeah, I guess we maybe sort of transitioned into talking about Amy, but, um, just sort of the other, the other thing that I like between the, I guess sort of the three of them is when the doctor's like river, Hugging, <laughs> like give her a hug, and she's like, "Why?" <laughs> because I can't do it. <laughs> like I'm busy right now. So, like there is, like I think a couple of things. I mean, one, it's just kind of a funny, you know, situation. But you get a couple of things there because one, you get that the doctor wants to show Amy some sort of affection. Yeah. You know, even though she he can't maybe at the moment, but also that there is a sense in which the doctor and river are extensions of each other. Right. Yeah. You know, that, that since, and, and, and you almost get the sense that the doctor is at least starting to adopt the fact that there is an intimacy there, even though yeah. I, I totally agree with what you said that it's not on the same level, but he's sort of 
accepting the fact that he can give her instructions and she'll just sort of do it because she trusts him implicitly. Right, and, right. And, and that it's not, it's not like, it's not commands. It's, I want you to do this because I think it's a good thing to do. And I know that because you trust me, you will do mm-hmm. it. And, and I won't betray that trust. And so you should do it. You yeah. know, like, like there's, yeah. like there's, there's a sort of complex relationship there that, that he can seem to rely on, even though he might not fully understand it or fully even realize the meaning of it at this yeah. point. Um, right. No, I think so, definitely you get that resistance at first, but definitely as the episode goes on, you do see them more, or the doctor, I guess, starting to sort of adopt her style a bit, you know, of, mm-hmm. of working together and trusting each other and, you know, being more of a team, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it also feels like a very parental sort of moment mm. <laughs> um, between the doctor and her, like, you know, towards Amy, you mean? Towards yeah. Amy, yeah, like like together, like the Doctor and River being, uh-huh. you know, parental in a way of of the oh, good job, you know, you did a really good job yeah. on your own <laughs> right. there, and and yeah. facing the angel, well, well done, yeah. you know, like yeah. not and and not in a condescending way, but in a way that you know parents would say, yeah. good job of you know doing this or that, right, right, and, I, and maybe I'm reading too much into that, but it it does seem to sort of like be a nice sort of familial moment. <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, yeah, in, in, all in all, so yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, and as far I mean, I feel like we've talked a lot about Amy already, though. Mm-hmm. Like between the the sort of the, her relationship to the angels and that stuff, and and the stuff between River and the Doctor and and her stuff there, but um, you know, I guess just acknowledging that she's still sort of figuring out what all this being a companion is, yeah. <laughs> is kind of, kind of weird, but um, also the not really understanding the danger behind right. it. And, and there's, there is that sense of funny because, you know, last time in, in the last episode, the doctor, you know, left her in the bunker and he was like, Oh, this is as dangerous as it gets around me. Clearly, no, it gets a lot more dangerous because this is way worse <laughs> yeah. than even like bombs falling on London and being in bunkers beneath London at the time. Yeah. So like, like, but again, he wants to leave her behind. And this time she's like, no, yeah. no, it's, it's, I'm here and whatever. And even goes, once again, the companion goes off exploring. <laughs> yeah. But, struggle, um, yeah. <laughs> but but again, you know, responds admirably. Now she can't completely resolve the situation on her own, but she figures out yeah, how but, to stop the angel on her own. Yeah. Like, you know, they're they're you know, the doctor's like, Oh, did you try and turn it off the TV? Yeah, it's the first thing I tried, of course. <laughs> you know, like like Yeah. You know, it and, and, and again, uh you get that like almost parental, like, Yes, Dad, I tried that already. Like, come yeah, on. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? The 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 whole sort of uh, thing there, but she, fi- you know, she figures something out. It's not a perfect solution. They're still in danger, but you know, she figures out something to stop the immediate attack, or not even attack, but I don't know, uh, manifestation of the angel. I yeah. guess. Uh, yeah. No, definitely. That, so. I think you get, um, you know, and I think that kind of makes sense. Like we haven't, you know, there's always. There's always something scary. There's always a monster. There's always danger. It's not like 
any episode goes by without the companion getting into danger or trouble or something. But Amy hasn't really had anything that intense yet, I don't think. You know, like... Yeah, even, not that I can like, think of. Like, you know, the 11th hour is mostly fun. Um, and, you know, the beast sure. below... I, yeah, they drop down some shoots, but, you know, the beast spits them right out. They're never really in physical danger there. Um, mm. And, you know, even with, you know, last time, she didn't really face down any Daleks. And, you know, yeah, London was being bombed, but she's down in the bunker. So if you're going to, you know, it never really... Right, she's with the Prime Minister. She's with the Prime who's Minister. going to be in the safest place possible. And they weren't even know? really ever bombed. They were sort of waiting to maybe be bombed, but it never really even got to that place. So the right, danger right. there is all sort yeah. of theoretical. Um Whereas I think this episode, you know, so you get Amy at the beginning. I think, you know, being a little bit flippant and a little overconfident about the dangers, you know, and that, I mean, she doesn't know what they are. So, you know, fair enough. But, um, you know, him kind of trying to tell her how serious it is and her like pouty, oh, are you Mr. Grumpy Face today? You know, <laughs> like, you know, and the doctor has to sort of lecture her about like, um, actually... Yeah, no, <laughs> your life is at stake yeah. and, you know, uh, you know, it, it's one thing to say that, you know, but then to have her by herself, you know, facing down the angel. Um, I think that's kind of Amy's maybe true initiation, you know, into mm. being the companion and being on your own in danger and having to sort of just figure it out, you know, um, you know, and like you said, she she does that, but you kind of have to do that baptism by fire a little bit, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, and it and it continues. You know, through the rest of the episode, she still isn't. You know, I mean that scene just with her alone with the weeping angels bad enough. You know, but then like the continued, you know sand in her eye and uh turning into stone like you know it's sort of like you know she she's paying a continual price for that moment of not really thinking they're that dangerous um mm -hmm. and it's continuing to sort of haunt her i guess right um well and there's that that sort of that it's driven from her feeling sort of left out too between yeah. what the doctor and river are because it it's right after that sweetie i need you and she's like you know yeah. anybody need yeah. me nobody <laughs> fine i'll go off on my own yeah. like you know it's that passive aggressive you know yeah. uh attitude yeah. towards that but not i mean like in a funny way not like a terrible way but also it does become dangerous because she doesn't understand the dangers and um, and at that point, even R the river and the doctor don't No, right, exactly. You know, the danger of... of yeah, the, I mean, it's not so like... So that's not... It's not like anything she does is particularly yeah. foolish, because they had no idea that, that the angel could do right. what it does, but... Um, right. Um, so anyway, but... All right, well, <laughs> we've left no time for us to talk about the we doctor. We have two minutes to talk about the doctor. Uh, I mean... Although we've talked about it, well, we in talked about of other stuff. Some stuff already. Ooh, Doctor, you sonicked her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Um. 
so you know i mean yeah besides sort of like the relationship with river and all that mm-hmm. like um i don't i mean yeah we get to the end and and he's sort of his usual doctor self right he's trying to figure out what's going on although um you are starting to see sort of like the quirks of how he talks and acts mm-hmm. you know versus the previous doctor so yeah. you, you do get more of his own kind of you know like the smelling of the book and the you know mm-hmm. like a little like f- funnier but like uh i don't well i don't I don't know how to describe it, I guess, what I'm trying to say. But, like, um, just even, like, some of his responses, like, you you would get often with David Tennant, I think, you know, like, these long explanations or whatever. And you get a little bit of that with him, but but you also get, like, the, yeah, it's a long story and I don't know most of it, so, you know, that's it. Like, like I'm not even going to try to explain. Whereas I feel like with David Tennant, he would have tried to like, well, but, well, yeah, but, yeah. well, well, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, like all of those things. Yeah. Uh, and uh, also, well, oh, there was another moment that I was just trying to think of um, where, where, oh, like where he's like rambling and he's like, well, yeah, you said it better. Yeah, the, <laughs> like, the um, like, needle in the haystack thing. Yeah, the needle in the <laughs> haystack. Like he's he like it's almost like he's trying to you know like explain better what needle in the haystack means. Right, right. And he's like, yeah, no, but your thing is fine. <laughs> like what you said is yeah is okay. Like so so I just like that seems to be yeah just like you know we're getting more into like kind of his own personality. Yes, I definitely. Think, of, of you know the way that he is. It's it's. Yeah, he's starting to get into these long explanations, and he's just like, "That's not me. I'm not. I'm not the man with the gob." Yeah, like that was the last. No, I, I'm, and I'm, I think, like, it, it. You even said about the smelling of the book because I think Matt Smith is more tactile. It's more about touching yeah, things, like more and, visceral and, and yeah. physically sort of. You know, a lot of that he has the same kind of, I think, restless energy that Tennant has, but whereas Tennant, it would come out of his mouth. Uh, I think with Smith, it's more about what's he physically doing, you know, kind of Mm -hmm. like playing with things and touching them and moving. And and sometimes it comes out as, you know, in words like the rambly haystack thing. But even then it sort of ends with like, yeah, that was actually didn't make any sense. (laughs) Or, you know, you said it better with your nice, concise phrase anyway, to begin with. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, of course, you get to the end and he says i'm about to do something incredibly stupid and <laughs> yes always uh, a good always a good sign yeah uh and and you do get the sense that in a couple of places i think even just in this episode of that he is a little more kind of on the edge and willing to jump sure. than than even the other and not that like i mean tenant there were times where that happened as well but like when he's going to switch off the light, you yeah. know, like there's that moment of, are you sure about this? No. Nope. <laughs> and he does it yeah. and switches it right back on. But, but he, I mean, I don't know. Again, like, I mean, yes, there was some of that with previous doctors, but it, it just seems like he's, you know, at least twice in this episode anyway, he's willing to do something incredibly stupid and dangerous and, yeah. and sort of, 
I mean, sort of in an effort to satisfy curiosity, but also in an effort to just say, hey, maybe this might work. You know, yeah. like, I don't know. So, yeah, yeah. I've, I, 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 I feel like more, that's different. a little bit more reckless, a little bit, a little yeah. bit less predictable. Um, just in, in yeah. his, you know, how he goes about solving the problem is, you know, um, there is kind of a dangerous quality there of we're just going to try this out and see what happens. And it might go horribly, but, um, mm -hmm. you know, he kind of has enough confidence to sort of convince people to go along with it. Um, yeah. But, yeah. uh, Any, anyway, but so. then you get, uh, you know, kind of the definitive doctor moment at the end there. Um, you know, with his, yeah, such a great speech about, Oh, big mistake, huge. Didn't anyone ever tell you there's one thing you never put in a trap if you're smart, if you value your continued existence, if you have any plans about seeing tomorrow, there's one thing you never, ever put in a trap. Me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, and it, it very reminiscent of of the first episode there where he's, you know, saying, you know, is yeah. is this earth protected? Yeah, yeah. Is it, you know... Take a look at the history. Yeah, look what happened you know, to who, them, yeah. Who's who's standing here now? You know, kind of. Yeah. So who do you see? Yes. Yeah, and again, I think right. all kind of foreshadowed by River Songs. You know, my doctor can turn an army around with the mention of his name. You know that kind of stuff. Um, you know that this mm -hmm. doctor, I think, um, is aware of his own uh, ability. You know, like he's very confident right. about, um, you know, what he can do when put into a corner, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, or at least is very good at making that sound intimidating to the monsters, you know. <laughs> that, um, and yeah. actually Moffat said something um, interesting trying to find, you know, every time you do a cliffhanger, he says it's so hard to do that and not just make it the same cliffhanger over and over again. Um, but he was kind of proud of this cliffhanger because he felt like a lot of times the cliffhangers are, you know, it ends with the monsters are coming. Whereas this one ends with the doctors coming, you know, that kind of moment of, uh, you know, and Moffat kind of says like the doctor's kind of on the back foot for a lot of this episode that he keeps making mistakes, um, mm -hmm. you know, and he's sort of busy, you know, giving Octavian a hard time or, you know, snarking with River or or showing off to Amy, all these other things, and it's not really till the end there that he really sort of focuses and says, you know, okay, I'm going to get us out of here. Um, so the cliffhanger is sort of, rather than the monsters are coming, the cliffhanger is saying, all right, the doctor's here now, and, you know, it's business time, I guess. Right, right. Yeah. Well, so I guess we'll see. We'll see how well that pays off when we. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how, how well it comes back. So cool. Well, then I guess on to a different sort of angel. Yes. Who is not. not Who's weeping, not weeping this week. <laughs> we're thankful for that. <laughs> um, okay. Although. I think uh, you had some comments about the title, which is a sort of weepy song. It is a weepy song. Uh, so um, I was sort of looking over, um, you know, the the 
the song I Fall to Pieces, kind of seeing if I can make any connections to the episode since that's what it's called. Um, so, you know, there's the kind of ironic, you know, nod to Ronald falling to pieces, you know, coming mm -hmm. apart and, you know, yeah, yeah. so, uh, funny. Like I, I get that's the joke and I get it. Um, but sure. <laughs> I think it actually, <laughs> sorry, I think, well, what I was going to say is I, <laughs> I get it. <laughs> very, very funny, Joss. Yeah. Yeah. Very funny. But also I think it does have another layer because, um, the lyrics of I fall to pieces could be interpreted as a little bit creepy and obsessive. Um, you know, it's all about, you know, I fall to pieces each time I see you again. I fall to pieces. How can I just be your friend? You want me to act like we've never kissed. You want me to forget, pretend we've never met. And it's all this idea of a one-sided relationship. <laughs> so one half of <laughs> yeah, the party yeah. is wanting to move right. on um, and just be friends and pretend like this never happened. And the other half of the party seems to find that a difficult thing uh to come to grips with so um i think that kind of has gives a nice layer to to you know the ronald and melissa relationship um mm -hmm. you know and we get uh i'm not quite sure whether this how this whether it really functions as a metaphor of the week because i don't know that the falling to pieces serves as quite a nice metaphor for like the stalking as some of the other metaphors we've seen like you know the fact that he can break himself off into pieces yeah um doesn't necessarily to me have any real correlation to the stalking other than that it enables that um so i'm not sure that it's really a metaphor of the week so much as it is a creepy stalker who has a supernatural power, which enables him to stalk this woman. So, um, mm -hmm. but anyway, I like how the title sort of pulls those, it does connect the two pieces, like both the kind of physical ability that he's able to have. And also this notion of his sort of obsessive, you know, following and harassing of Melissa and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think that makes sense. I'm, I'm wasn't real familiar with the song though. So I'm glad you looked that up and yeah. Patsy Cline. Kinda. I think it's always worth whenever, whenever, whenever uh, the titles allude to something, I always feel like it's worth looking it up just to see. Yeah. Um, one other point of note on related to that is that the song also was actually in Prophecy Girl. I don't know if you remember that oh, or not. Oh, I don't know. Um, it was it was a while I've back. But it, yeah, I mean it was it was just yeah you know I mean sort of in the background or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I I don't think the two necessarily have a connection thematically sure. <laughs> beyond the fact that the song was in both of them or referenced at least in both of them. But. Yeah. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Yeah. Um, so, cool. All right. Um, so I guess talking then about sort of Ronald and mm -hmm. Melissa, I mean, any any particular I, – I think you're right. Like it's a good sort of, you know, 
situation, you know, for Angel to investigate. But from a metaphor of the week perspective, it's I think, yeah, we're just kind of like, okay, it's it's I don't think it's a bad episode in in any way, but there's not a lot of depth to it, really, I would say. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's a neat it's a neat device. Um, mm -hmm. It just doesn't have. I think, you know, a lot of the really good metaphors work because of how the device corresponds to the thing it's symbolizing. You know, right. and I think there's less of a connection right. here. But um, but it's still, you know, a creepy idea. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And I kind of liked how um, it kind of fooled me for a minute at the beginning because it seems like Ronald could just be another sort of average threat. Like, you know, because last time with Angel we had, um, you know, him make the very specific decision to help the nighttime people, you know, to help mm -hmm. people against the supernatural threats that they can't go to the police for, you know, the stuff that the yeah. normal people don't actually have to, you know, deal with or, you know, the people who don't have the resources or whatever. Um, so, you know, it kind of seems at the beginning, you know, before you find out what Ronald can do, like, you know, he's just a creepy stalker guy, you know, and Cordy even, uh, says, you know, you don't need supernatural powers to do what he's doing. You know, he could have, you know, a, a hidden camera or something, you know, it, not everything right. has to be weird and creepy. Um, and so you kind of have that moment where you're thinking, like, or you could be tempted to say, Angel, you know, you just decided that you were going to help the nighttime people. What are you doing helping the daytime people? You know, because Melissa seems like she could be one of those. Like, you know, she's not like a, she's not the nighttime person we've seen before. Like, a lot of the people we've seen Angel help have been the ones who seem like, the ones who go to the seedy bars at night, you know, or who get mixed mm -hmm, up in mm -hmm. sort of dangerous nighttime dealings. Like, Melissa doesn't mm -hmm. seem like that. Like, she seems like she has a normal office job and leads a kind of not very dangerous, comfortable lifestyle. Like, she doesn't yeah. seem like the kind of person he meant to help when he decided last time to help the nighttime people. Um, sure. But... You know, then you get Angel saying, well, if Doyle had a vision about her, that must mean she needs our help because Doyle only has visions about the people we should be helping. Like, really, when he got off the path, it was because he went out and just sort of offered his services to anybody, you know, so mm -hmm. he would end up just yeah. sort of, you know, beating up everybody's, you know, abusive boyfriend or something. Um <laughs> but the fact right. that uh but the fact that there's the vision sort of implies that there's something else going on. Um and you know, eventually we see that's definitely true. So I like after the last episode that that's kind of a little bit of a fake out, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um hmm. and definitely the falling to pieces is creepy. Like you know, again, Angel pushing the envelope in ways that 
Buffy doesn't necessarily with him, you know, I mean, I guess the physical goriness of having eyes detached with yeah. the goop sort of hanging off, like the, the, the stem and right, the retinal the cord. So, and, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> sort of hovering there. And, you know, so there's kind of like a body horror aspect to it, but also, you know, more sort of adult and uncomfortable, you know, in that he, you know, can see into her room while she's getting undressed, you know, and he, and the right, little creepy right. part where his hands come in, you know, and of course, yeah, go they don't under just the crawl around, they go under the sheets and, you know, like you're mm-hmm. kind of, you're left to imagine what's going on. So, um, definitely ratcheting up the creepy factor a little bit there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think that that all makes sense. <laughs> um, um, so, yeah, just thinking. Well, so here's a question: Did you um, did you recognize Ronald at all, the doctor? You know what? He was familiar, but you're going to yeah. tell me he's someone I know, and I didn't. I didn't place him. Not nece- I mean, not necessarily, but he he was in Firefly as well. Uh, as a guest guest star role, um, and I didn't I didn't recognize him from Firefly either, so that's fine if you didn't. Um, but he played like uh, uh, Dortmunder Captain, actually in in the uh, in Serenity in in the opening um, hmm. you know episode there. Uh, so I don't, yeah, it wasn't like a necessarily a, a yeah i he definitely looked familiar um but um, and and i i will say he actually also um plays a part in buffy that we have not seen yet oh, okay. so um i'll be interested to see if if you pick him out again probably it's probably one of those things unless you're it pointed out because they're just such completely different things. Okay, that. so not the same. You may not. Well, no, clearly not the same character because he's in. No, no, he's no, in not steel the same boxes buried under concrete. Um, but, but I, I mean, I've mentioned before that there are actors who are in both Buffy and Angel that are completely unrelated roles. Yeah. In in either one. Right. Um, right. And and so the uh, the actor here, Andy Umberger, is his name, is actually one of only five, I think, uh, actors who have been in all three. Angel, Buffy, and Fox. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, like one of those weird little bits of trivia. The but, hat uh, tricks, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't think he was in Dollhouse. Okay. Uh, but anyway. Yeah, that's neither here or there. But, uh, I mean, he's been in a lot of other stuff, mostly bit parts. But he's been in, like, a number of episodes of uh, Mad Men. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I can't remember if that's one you watch or not. But uh, various, various and sundry other... Uh, he's been in Castle, so with Nathan Fillion, although not a Joss Whedon thing, there's connection there. And okay. uh, he was in an episode of Bones with David Boreanaz again. So, mm. some, yeah, uh, <laughs> I I don't know. I just I thought that was interesting yeah. to just sort of mention. But uh, yeah, so I mean, again, I don't I don't feel like I. So I'll I'll actually admit when I started watching this again this time, I don't. 
most episodes of Buffy and Angel, like I remember, like, you know, after seeing a couple minutes, I'm like, oh, yeah, OK, I, mm. I remember what happens here. And not that I don't enjoy watching it still, but, you know, you just because you've seen it. This is actually one I I didn't remember how it got resolved yeah. at all, like until I finished watching it through the first time. I mean, it was uh, I think that's just sort of maybe a testament to yeah, the, I, the, it, the 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 sort of mediocreness of it as a story. Yeah, the, the term that came to my mind was underwhelming um, and mm-hmm. maybe of the of the episodes of Angel we've seen so far. Um, yeah. This one seems more like the least sort of essential, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, um, I think I both think... because less, maybe mess, a little bit less advancement with the main characters. And then also, again, the kind of looseness yeah. of the correspondence between, you know, the monster and and like the the theme and everything. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so there's some creepy... Um... Like, there's definitely creepy moments, but I think sure. maybe as an overall episode, it's less impactful than some of the other ones that we've seen so far. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't know how much you want to say about Ron and Melissa more than we've said already at this point. I plan to sort of move on to the other stuff. Like, yeah. I mean, I think there's some stuff that we can talk about with the main characters, mm-hmm. um, even though it might not be a lot it you know there's a few things um so we get the return of kate which uh yes. i had mentioned that we would see her yeah. again so i don't know that that's a huge surprise but um no i guess i would have expected her to um like come back and like be sort of the center of an episode so it was kind of interesting to mm. see her just um like just kind of as a reminder that she's there, you know, like that right, she's right. Uh, someone to sort of keep an eye out for, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. um, and to see Angel sort of capitalizing on that uh, right. connection that he has. Um, you still get the, yeah. you still get the awkwardness uh, <laughs> between them. Yeah. I um, love that. With judging by your uncomfortableness, I'd say you're either about to ask me on a date or you need a favor. And then, because he like pauses awkwardly, she knows that it's for the favor. <laughs> so, right, right. Um, you know, kind of still moving past the point where they thought they might have been interested in each other, you know, where they're not quite out of that yet. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, or potentially are still interested and are just too awkward to, you know, do anything about it. To do um, anything, yeah. So, but, you know, I kind of like that that relationship is sort of uh, put on hold for the time being as kind of a placeholder. Cause I assume we'll come back to it, you know, in greater detail. Um, no, that's the only other time. We yeah. He asked for one favor and then he never called her again. Um, yeah, yeah. But, but that we get to see her like doing, you know, using her cop skills and connections and get a nice right. kind of speech from her about, you know, how Melissa needs to take, you know, responsibility for her own fear, mm-hmm. you know, and how, you know, it's not just about, um, and actually that's the one place where the metaphor does work because that notion that even if you lock him away, he's still winning, you know? And, mm-hmm. and so the notion that 
they can't physically lock this guy up because he can break apart and get out. So it kind of plays into that idea that it doesn't matter what you physically do to him. He can, because she's afraid. He, he can still hurt he, you. You know, yeah. she's still a victim because he's not he's yeah. not bound by, you know, prison bars, I guess. Um, yeah. That, that does work. Um, you know, so it's kind of nice to have, like, you know, more of a kind of feminist angle to it. You know, of, yeah, Angel can physically take care of this guy, but if Melissa's going to get back to her sort of independent thrill-seeking lifestyle she's gonna have to you know make the choice to you know not fear him anymore right well yeah and i guess yeah from that perspective i think that's you're right because we do get those you know she used to like to do all these things and now she doesn't do them anymore basically because of this jerk who you know is stalking her or whatever but but there is that sort of reminder of of she's not a weak person at all, and and we get Angel telling her that right. You're not the one who he's the one who's weak, mm-hmm. you know, because of of these things. And it's like, yeah, she just kind of sort of forgot that, and it's that she needs to sort of be reminded, and not just because she did all these sort of physical things before, but there's also an element of of psychologically, yeah, you have to be someone who can sort of master your own fear, right, you know, right. in order to do. A number of these things so yeah. there's there's that yeah so idea. i like that it, you get kate as the voice of that that you know right and, right you know right which then right because then it's not just angel say because it's after kate says that to angel that angel then says that right to to melissa so it's not the man telling the woman well you can do this it's actually coming from a woman originally and he's just sort of the conduit right and you get the sense of, of not just any woman but you know because of this, she's this sort of undercover cop. Like, you get the sense that she's right. very invested in in helping women to fight back and to be yeah. independent and, and stuff. So you kind of get, like, a little bit of a sense of her own sort of beliefs there, I guess. And we've already seen that she maybe hasn't had the best of relationships. And we don't know right. details or anything, but, like... You know, she seems very impassioned in that moment where she's kind of telling Angel, yeah, like she needs, you know, she needs to be able to fight back, not not just because of physically, but also emotionally and mentally, because even if he gets locked away, there's still stuff she needs. Like you get almost a sense that this is from not just her police work, but maybe a little bit of personal experience. Yeah, the voice of experience, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, at least that's the way I've always taken yeah. that sort of moment. Um, that there seems to be something a little bit deeper in her meaning, uh, mm-hmm. you know, behind her meaning about all of that. Um, but yeah, no, we don't see Kate for very long. Although I think what she adds is is important. Uh, yeah. And yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe we will see her again. <laughs> um. But also just, I think, with Angel, you know, again, I don't think there's maybe a whole lot to say, but, like, the whole uh, money issue sort of coming up yeah. and his uh, not wanting to ask for money and, and wanting people to believe uh, that he's just in it for the good deeds, which, yeah. 
is kind of, I mean, which is true. Like, you know, I mean, we've already seen like even in the last episode of Angel where he's, he's in it for the redemption, yeah. right? He's not in it for money or prestige or, you know, whatever. Like that's, he's trying to figure out a way that he can make up for all the evil stuff that yeah. he did when he was Angela. So, right. uh, it becomes this tension, but then there's also, like, I don't know. What do you think of Doyle's sort of answer to that? Like of the, yeah, I mean, I think that I think Doyle makes a good point, you know, that the money isn't just, I mean, yeah, they do need it because if, I mean, maybe Angel has an unlimited sum. I don't know, but somebody, Cordy certainly needs money. Uh, You know, like they need money to operate, right. To pay their bills. Mm -hmm. So there's just like, the practical element of that. Um, right. But I think Doyle's point is a good one, that the money isn't just about, you know, it, it doesn't have to be about, you know, your lack of chivalry, you know, that it actually could serve a function in the relationship, you know, um, to, not to keep distance, but kind of to keep distance that, you know, if, you know, every week can't end, like Doyle says, in these victims, you know, sort of falling in love with their mysterious savior, you know, who kind of swoops in mm-hmm. and then and then says, no, no, this, you know, like, like Spike says, like, you know, don't thank me, you know, just, you know, doing it as thanks enough, you know, that kind of idea, um, mm-hmm. you know, and they are more inclined to... Um, become sort of dependent and attached to that than if um, than if there's like a transaction involved, you know, where they have, yeah, they can't take care of the supernatural threat on their own, but they can they can hire someone to do that for them, you know. And then it's less about charity and more about taking care of your own problems and stuff. Um, and that doesn't mean it has to become a totally soulless thing and it doesn't mean that um they can't throw out a pro bono assignment every so often you know but yeah <laughs> they're they're gonna keep running into these issues of you know um client uh i think like obsession if they don't sort of mm-hmm. draw the line somewhere um mm-hmm. you know and yeah. And Melissa seems capable of that. Like, she's not one of these um, ladies of the night, you know, who doesn't have a penny. Like, she has a job and she can afford to pay them for their work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, right. and if that means that they can keep their office longer, then that's kind of how it goes. So, yeah, um, yeah I thought I thought Doyle's reasoning was good. I don't know. what What did you think? No, I was I was just curious because I think it's I like it because I think it's sort of unexpected. Yeah, def- and, it definitely get, is. Yeah. And and they they tease you with it. Right. Because, you know, in the beginning, he's like, it's not about money. You yeah, know, yeah. Oh, you, you you agree with me? No, I don't. Agree. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's not about money, but it's also about money. Yeah. Like it's and then he gets his vision and, well, you kind and of, it gets put off until later. Yeah, and, so. and the, but it, it's not about money, but the it's still not about money, but the money rather than it being about money in the sense of them, they're only in it for the money. It's yeah. money becomes the means to an end. So it's not about mm-hmm. money, but it is about 
keeping our business alive so that we can continue to help people and mm -hmm. as an actual assist in customer relations, I guess, you know, right. <laughs> that right. it actually has right. you like present a practical the bill, function. There's a clear end of the service, yeah. you know, not just we took care of your, you know, whatever, but also now our relationship here is done. Yeah. And maybe it, and um, for Angel's purposes, maybe it removes some of the sting of having to ask for the money that it's and, not like he does a nice thing right. and then asks for a handout, but actually this is our, you know, if there's a policy, then it, it's a lot easier to sort of charge people, I guess. So he doesn't have to feel like he's reneging on his, you know, chivalry when he does that. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I think it's a decent explanation. I mean, I'm again, I'm a libertarian. I don't have any problem with people making money. So, <laughs> no. um, you know, but but I do think, you know, there is that. There's a, there's always that sort of pull of, you know, how much do you, especially for something like this where, you know, Angel sort of has a different mission than the other two. But, you know, in order to, I mean, he clearly needs Doyle and Cordy's help, yeah. but they're both, I mean, we don't really, because Doyle's sort of half demon, we don't know, but we get the sense that he eats and he certainly drinks, you know, <laughs> like, so there's, there's, yeah. You know, there are right. other sort of physical needs. He, he, has ha he seems to have an yeah, apartment yeah. and stuff, you know. So, yeah. like, you know, there are definitely other things that that go on where, you know, they need to they need to have money to just live and, and whatever. So just even from a yeah, like you said, like from a practical perspective, they there are the bills and there are whatever. But I mean, if Angel's going to have them continuing to help them, like you, you need to pay your help, you know, even if right. you don't want money or don't need money for, for yourself, your own needs, yeah. like you still need to collect money that you can use to further the business right. and all of that. So, um, and yeah, and, and really help. That's what helps people in the long run. Yeah. Um, or at least more people. Uh, so yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, Cordy has some good one-liners in this. Uh, you, well, even on that topic, you know, see, you can save the damn bull and still make decent money. Is this a great country or what? Yeah, yeah. Love, love her little capitalistic attitude. Yeah, yeah. Um, the yeah, the, and her like get over it. I mean, in a sensitive way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Going. you're a lot smarter than you look. Of course, you look like a retard. Yeah, yeah. But there's a. Uh, yeah, Joss and David Greenwald in a not so sensitive moment, actually. No. <laughs> you look like you look like a retard. Yeah, that was a um, little less politically correct than I'm used to. It kind of shows you yeah. um how the late nineties are very different than now. You know, you kinda couldn't get around yeah. get away with that uh today, I don't think. No. Um, no, I think yeah, I think there's a a little bit different sensibility around that yeah. word particular. Um and then I you know, I don't know I didn't have much around Cordy and Doyle, um, other than just sort of Cordy had some funny remarks. Um, and, and I think again, there's the different sides of the money issue there that kind of bring it up. I mean, and you know, of like character growth, like being able to accept payment for your services, like doesn't seem like a real big, sure. one, I think, which is sort of another one, like why yeah. this maybe isn't the most memorable episode, you know, I mean, it, it is sort of necessary because yeah. 
you know, they are kind of running this business and it's been a running thing, but it's like now that they've sort of figured it out, I think like it kind of tapers down. Like we don't really get more discussions about right. money and how they make a living. I think just from now on, we just sort of assume that they're, that they have at least enough paying clients to survive. That they don't yeah. have to worry right. this really is, about it This is it the episode like, you do so that the audience stops worrying about where the money's coming from. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Um, so, Which, you know, so again, but which I like, think even when, that, uh, you know, when you have, you know, 22 episode seasons as opposed to something like Doctor Who that only has 13, you can, that's, yeah. you know, you're going to get a couple you, like that, you know, you spend an episode, you're going to have a couple kind of where it's more treading water a little bit or, or addressing a more minor character element as opposed, you know, not everyone is going to be a huge you know, yeah. uh, sea change or something. Yeah. Um, oh, but I did want to say too, just like, I think we get then confirmation of Doyle's point when we get the, the moment where Melissa says, I hope I never see you again. And Angel does too, which, you know, I mean, obviously like on the surface, those words are terrible. Like, you know, why would you not want to see someone you like? Yeah. But the idea being that this is her able to make a break, which is, you know, if you want to get into the metaphor stuff, that's what the whole episode's about, is someone who can't walk away right. and is wrongfully attached in, in a, right. you know, destructive manner, you know, to someone else. So now now we get the opposite here. Of yeah. The money being, you know, the, the, the fact that it was a payment for a service makes yeah. it easy for Melissa to walk out and say, I'm good now. Thank you for helping me. I needed the help, but... I don't need your help anymore. Yeah, and I think that's sort of the confirmation that Doyle's theory works. Um, mm-hmm. That she is able to say, you know, thank you, but, you know, I don't need you anymore, you know. Right, right. And how eagerly does uh, Cordelia snatch up that check? Yes. <laughs> it's true. Uh, anyway. So, uh, so yeah. Uh, I honestly feel like we've kind of tapped out the Exhausted episode so it. given that we talked talked so long about doctor who i i really i mean i don't and i i feel funny because i don't actually think it's like a bad episode or anything it just it's kind of like okay yeah it is what it is you yeah. know that's fine yeah uh i think i kind of have to agree with you on that one <laughs> well cool. okay one last thing i guess the only sure. other thing we do get is um uh and this isn't knew so much as um angel's sort of uh insight into ronald's you know stalker psyche so you know we've seen that before Uh, with when he's angelus how he sort of would pick a victim and you know sort mm. of target her for torture maybe a little bit more self-awarely than ronald you know ronald seems more deluded you know, whereas mm-hmm. Angel seemed more sort of intentional right. in his torture. Um, but um, but anyway, just kind of a reminder of that that dark side which lurks under Angel. You know, as the Cordy kind of says, you know, that, oh, you must have been fun when you when you were vamped out and everything, you know. But yeah. if, if, the, if it has an advantage, it's that Angel, you know, as the classic sort of anti-hero has he's a good guy but a good guy that understands how the bad guys operate um so 
you know, just, I think, good to keep that in mind, too. Not to get too comfy with Angel, no matter how chivalrous he wants to appear. Yeah, well, and, or how cuddly he is. Right, as, right, Angel. Or as vampires go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, which is kind of a callback. Didn't she call him cuddly once before? Like, she said, like, he's, when it was like the, the, the Care Bear with fangs or something. Didn't she say oh, yeah, he was yeah, yeah. cuddly the, then? Right, and, uh, yeah, like, when she first sort of met him yeah. or whatever and was kind of into yeah. him. Yeah, so, I kind of... I thought right. that was but kind of a callback to that, that you're, yeah. you're one of the, as vampires go, you're one of the cuddly You ones. know what? That's funny. I, I didn't really make that connection, but I think you're right. I think that must be uh, a callback to that. That was like, that was like in That was like a long time ago. Buffy thing. Yeah. 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 Um, I just cool. pulled that out of the old noggin. Well, and <laughs> you got stuff up there. So, <sighs> All anyway. right. Well. <laughs> We're just rambling. We are. Now. Uh, so we will let our dear listeners go. We'll let you go a little, a little early, early this time. Look at this. this like Man. next next week we can go like twenty minutes over now, right? Uh that's what I'm planning on. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. All right. All right. See you then. Mm-hmm.